0: Hey guys, welcome to Mike It Up. Today, we're going to be continuing our conversation of the top three threats facing the mattress industry. You're not going to want to miss this last one. Stick around.
1: Welcome to
0: Mike It Up with GoodBed.com's Jeff Cassidy.
1: So when that's the case, it becomes harder just psychologically to make a change. And Mike Magnuson.
0: If you're doing those things, you can be competitive long term. Just when you thought these number crunching
1: data lovers couldn't get any nerdier,
0: they started a podcast. And I know this is pretty controversial. This is why we're having a podcast, right? But if you want to be smart about how the
1: mattress shopping journey is changing and what retailers and manufacturers should be doing about it, well then, man, have you ever found your people? Because right now, it's time to mic it up. Yeah, mic it up is going to take on, it's going to have a whole bunch of different meanings as a verb, to mic it Mm. up. I might have that'll evolve over time. I think There's lots of verbs. What do you think? Uh, well, it would obviously, mean? screwing up is an obvious. That's obviously the first one that it means. <laughs> yeah, that's what. Well, that's what it already meant. Yeah, I <laughs> that, that's why we named the podcast after that. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see other ones as as we go. So let's ju- let's jump in here. Third threat. Everybody's okay. anxiously awaiting. I know. I know. I know. They're just <laughs> so top three threats to the industry.
0: If you missed the last episode, we covered why ultra-cheap mattresses uh, is threat number one and why Amazon, which is uh, coincidentally or not coincidentally, the largest uh, purveyor of ultra-cheap mattresses, but for its own reasons, is a separate and distinct threat number two. And now, today, we're going to talk about threat number three, which is a different breed from those last two. It is review sites. Now, review sites are... um, you know, people were pretty surprised the first time I came out and said that review sites were a big threat to the industry. Partly because they're thinking, well, aren't you guys a review site? And yeah, we kind of are <laughs> a review site. Uh, but we're we're a different kind of review site. In so far as we really have, um, I mean, gosh, when I started this 12 years ago, I mean, this was all about providing consumers with a really, truly trustworthy source of information to help them navigate this, this category. And ultimately, uh, and separately from that, I believed that by, by doing that, we could also create a way to help good companies get rewarded for all the good things that they do, specifically by adding transparency to this industry in the form of independent, trustworthy information. I believe that that would ultimately reward good companies for those good things. Uh, and it's probably the only way, I still believe, for good companies to be rewarded for, for making and selling good products and standing behind them. And so those two things have been fundamental to our mission from day one and, and continue to be fundamental to everything we do today. Um, but uh, along the way, I'd never anticipated that uh, the, the the category we occupy would be joined by an army of spammy sites that are going to call themselves review sites or that that do call themselves review sites but do not embody any of those same values to the best I can tell. Uh, And and specifically, they they embody some much more deceptive values that are completely abhorrent to me.
1: One thing to note there, uh, as part of why you started good bed part of that objective third-party information to help good companies succeed a, a major piece of that was customer reviews so the Correct. term review site can be confusing because when you say review site we are the largest source of customer largest platform of customer reviews as it relates to the mattress industry both products and stores so we're very much the only review site, and that in that sense. But the review site that you're talking about is something different. Correct. So yeah. I, th- I think and, it can and, and it can well, be confusing with that because that because of that word.
0: And when I started
1: Good bad consumer
0: reviews were the only thing we did, and the only thing we ever envisioned doing as it relates to reviewing. We never. I had no intention of, as you know, full well, uh, you had to drag me kicking and screaming into the idea of. Reviewing products ourselves because I just felt like it was not our place to be a gatekeeper. I felt like this is up to the consumer to 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 weigh in, and we're going to provide the best platform the world has ever known for uh, collecting and making r- reviews useful for consumers in this category. Um, so. That's what we were about, and it wasn't until we kind of, our hand was forced by these guys by coming out. They came out and provided a bunch of really spammy reviews that were essentially disguised sales pitches um, that, to me, were very thinly disguised, but to the average consumer were so well disguised that the consumers had no idea that that's what they were. And so I felt, we, we felt compelled that we had to go into this, and that was... That's the history there. But I do feel that we're kind of bearing the lead as it relates to review sites being a threat. I just, uh, we got off on this sidebar because I think it is a relevant thing to clarify upfront how we distinguish ourselves from from those guys. So with all that said, why are mattress review sites such a big threat to the mattress industry? And, you, and to answer that question, we have to first kind of make sure that we're all on the same page about uh, what re- these review sites are and how they operate really. Um, And fundamentally, these review sites are just flawed from the beginning because they are built around the notion of declaring a mattress good or bad, A, which is fundamentally flawed, uh, as well as creating lists of the best mattresses, which again is fundamentally flawed. Now, why are those two things fundamentally flawed? Well, because as probably most people listening to this podcast know, if you're in the industry, Uh, you would know that, of course, mattresses are highly personal. The best mattress for you can be terrible for me and vice versa. So there's no one mattress that's going to be best for everyone. And therefore, there's no way for me to provide a rating of a mattress and say, Hey, this is really good. Good for who? You know, good, good for me doesn't mean good for you. So who is it good for? It doesn't make any sense to give a mattress a universal star rating. Likewise, this is a list of the best mattresses best for who the best for me are different than the best for you. So who is this the best for? It doesn't make any sense. Even if you try to parse it based on like best for side sleepers, best for, you know, couples, best for whatever, that's not nearly enough level of granularity as again, anyone who's in the industry doing an earnest job, uh, of trying to help consumers find the right mattress for them already knows. You I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But at the same time, this is something that most consumers don't know. They come into this category. They've not thought about this since 10 years ago when they last purchased a mattress. They don't have a rubric for this. They're not educated about mattresses. And they come into it generally trying to apply a lot of the shopping rubrics that they've used successfully in other categories. And one of those increasingly has been searching for the best whatever. And they're they're accustomed at this point to finding lists of those, finding expert reviews of things that will give a product a certain number of star ratings from some quote-unquote expert. And they're accustomed to finding those things very useful. Now, those uh, types of ratings and best lists in other categories, I have found, and you may have found as well, actually can be useful. But they're only useful in the case of products that are a different kind of product that are non-personal products, meaning products where we both, we kind of all want the same thing out of that product. You know, when it comes to a wireless router, we kind of all want the same thing, right? We all want one that's going to be reliable. It's going to work all the time. It's going to have a good range. You know, it's going to not, your your devices aren't going to get kicked off of it, whatever. Like it's going to be easy to set up. These are all things we all want. There's no there's no personal preference. It's not like, oh, I I want a washing machine, but I don't want it to be too fast or get my clothes too clean. I'm more of like the one who wants the clothes less clean than, you know, there's we all want the clothes to get clean. So, somebody can review, consumer reports can review a washing machine and give it an assessment of how clean the clothes get that is equally valuable to all of us. It means the same thing. They can then aggregate all these different assessments into an overall rating and while while some features may be more important to me than they are to you we the the overall rating still makes some amount of sense you know they can kind of tabulate something together that that makes sense and they can put that into a best list and maybe I'm not maybe everyone shouldn't automatically buy the one that's number one on their list because maybe you have slightly different priorities but but certainly choosing from among the ones that are highly rated with a methodology like that can make some sense in mattresses. It makes no sense more than that, because they are oriented around this approach it. And because there really is no good way to assess mattresses with that approach, given their personal nature, it leads inevitably that these guys end up becoming pay to play recommenders. It's just, it's an inevitable outcome of trying to apply that model to a category for which that model does not apply. And as a result, they are, uh, basically not recommending products on any kind of basis other than, Hey, these guys, this product makes us a lot of money and they are optimizing everything. Their economics are optimized for that, for the, how much money they make. Well, guess what that makes them? That makes them a retailer. They're just, they're just selling, right? They're telling you, they're set. G- are going to tell you to buy the product that makes them the most money. And then the content is going to be optimized to get you to buy it so that they make the most money possible. They're a retailer. The only difference is that they're disguised as an unbiased, quote unquote, unbiased review site. And that disguise is what gives them a massive and unfair advantage over retailers and creates a grave threat to retailers. And we are going to talk more uh, about that in some future episodes. But suffice it to say for now I'll give you an example of how that creates a grave uh, and unfair advantage for them. If two people are clicking on, if, if, if two people are two companies, your company uh, as a retailer, let's say them as, as a, as a review site are bidding on a, the same keyword. Well, they put the word unbiased in their ad. That's going to give that word is going to give them higher click through rate on that ad and Google's algorithm for, for AdWords, is designed to factor in click through rate as it relates to how much it costs you for that click. So cause Google's algorithm is optimized for their own economics. So Google's trying to decide which ad to show and that's a function of how much they get for a click and what percentage of people who see that ad click. So if more people see that ad, more of the people who see that ad click on it, they don't have to pay as much for click for the same position. So their ability to use that word unbiased gives them an unfair advantage in that position in the paid search results. Not only that, they have a huge advantage once once they uh, get someone to their site. Because again, when someone lands on your site, you say great things and people go, oh, well, yeah, but they're selling. So of course they're going to say that. Someone lands on their site, they see great things and they go, oh, Wow, and these guys are unbiased, and they say that. Wow, that's really, that's really compelling. And, of course, they have a higher conversion rate as a result of that. And, P.S., because of the fact that they have a higher conversion rate, they can actually afford to bid more, even more for that ad click than you can. So they're getting it both ways. And it all stems from an unfair competitive advantage an unlevel playing field that is uh, that is th- that is the reality of the current situation. On top of that, there's a whole situation for retailers where these guys are, you know, their one skill essentially is SEO. They don't know, I'd argue, they don't know jack about mattresses. Most of them, they don't know, literally, a lot of them don't even have the product. But even the ones that do, it's just a bunch of 20-somethings, you know, what, what How do we regurgitate the marketing claims for this product? Okay, let's do that. Got it. Um, that is, uh, that's, that's not a skill. Their only actual skill is SEO. And not only are they skilled at it, but they're also willing to cut corners and go to uh, break rules, and, and deceive customers. Um, and in some cases, Cases even do kind of illicit types of things. Um, what are, so some, to what go, are some
1: examples? What are some examples of that? Or are you going to get into that later? Oh well,
0: you're not supposed to buy links with Google, right? Like you're not supposed to. That's that's the cardinal rule of Google because their whole system of credibility is based on the notion that links infer credibility, right? That that if someone's linking to you, then that that must mean that you are authoritative, and so they aggregate all that link data across all the web you know every every link passes some amount of authority so pages that have a lot of links coming into them have a lot of authority to pass and so if they pass authority to another page then anyways that all gets passed around kind of a link juice type of a concept and the pages with the best link juice rank the highest all else being equal as it relates to the keywords on the page and everything that matching up with the query that the, the user entered but uh, if someone can buy a link, well that just completely undermines the whole foundation on which Google's algorithm is built because that doesn't infer any uh, authority at all that just means you bought it so if you buy it on the down low or if you buy it through some kind of back door like you acquire a company that had a bunch of links that got them under the under a totally different pretense than you like they got them because they're a nonprofit but you're You're a mattress review site for profit. You know, that's a totally different. No one was meaning to link to you a a for profit mattress review site. They meant to link to a nonprofit, you know, doing something very different. But now you own that link. Well, you essentially bought that link and that's a violation, direct violation of Google's rules. um, And, you know, but they're willing to do that. They're willing to break those rules. They're willing to mislead consumers with using .org domains that that give consumers the idea that they are uh, in some way a nonprofit themselves. They are willing to uh, sort of, I call it like med washing. They're, They're rinsing their website in like medical terms and medical discussion to kind of give it this patina of, credibility that comes from that that comes from the dis, you know this discussion of of medical type things so it gives people the sense that oh these guys must be really authoritative because they're speaking about these medical terms and these medical topics um it's it's all bs it's all just an elaborate sales pitch but again they're doing these these things and by the way like it's un, it that's also to me that's unfair because as a as a truly credible, authoritative person, uh, retailer or, or, or seller or person, you're not going to want to do any of those things and you shouldn't do any of those things, but they are doing those things and they're benefiting from it. And that again is an unfair advantage. So there's all kinds of unfair advantages that, um, and, and by the way, going back to the SEO point, this is a critical thing because they are willing to cut these corners and, and because they do have, uh, certain skills in this, in this SEO area, they're, they're outranking web retailers and, and they're making it in a world where people are starting their journey online. And in many cases, completing that journey online without ever visiting a store, they're making it harder and harder for people to ever even find your store
1: at the point in time when they need to find it. And those things that you mentioned, there's, they're, reinforcing to each other right so the more links that i get the more authority i get the more google trusts me which makes it easier for me to rank high and with the consumer the higher i rank without appearing as an ad the more the consumer is predisposed to trust me that's true. so i i'm getting the benefit of appearing i'm also getting the benefit of earning more trust and more believability with my unbiased claim yes I got like a double whammy.
0: Yeah, and speaking of double whammies, not only are they outranking retailers in search results, making retailers then harder to find, but every time a consumer lands on one of these review sites, they become incrementally less likely to ever visit a physical store, I believe. Because the second they land on one of those sites, they're getting kind of indoctrinated into this a sales pitch without realizing it's even a sales pitch that, that they should be buying one of these products that this site covers, which of course the ones that they cover positively are the only, are the only the ones that they make money from, which are the ones that sell online. And they're getting indoctrinated into this, this, this philosophy that ultimately is designed to dissuade them specifically of, of going to a store and specifically to buy one of these products that this site is touting, which is one of the ones that they can buy online so that this site will make money. So consumers will land on these sites many times, multiple of these sites. And each time they do, they're, it's reinforcing this message that, oh, you shouldn't go to a physical store. So so that's another double whammy, if you will. And then I guess the other thing that is worth from the, from the brand standpoint, there's no end. If you have a pay to play model, right? Like if, if, if the model is The brands that are appearing at the top of this list are the ones that make us the most money. And by the way, some of these guys will try to use a defense like, oh, it's not just the ones... We don't necessarily rank you the highest if you pay the most commission. It's a combination of the commission times what percentage of people who see this list buy that product. (laughs) That's actually a defense that some of them have used publicly, even in the press. And uh, it's laughable because... Well, that's still pay to play. You're still maximizing your own economics. That's it's just that you're factoring in two criteria that multiply together to to give you your ultimate
1: revenue. Right. And, and to be to be clear, a business maximizing its economics, I mean, that's what a business does. So that in and of itself is not bad. It's the doing that in a way that the consumer has no idea that it's actually a in the business of doing the unbiased objective thing the consumer thinks that they're doing this is the kind of comment i hear like at a cocktail
0: party not from someone who's using our website Uh, at a cocktail party oh you're in the mattress space oh yeah i want to talk to you about the mattress i just bought i know it's so great because it was on the best uh top of the list for like five different websites that i went to and i have to be the one then in who A, at a cocktail party, mattresses are the last thing I want to talk about. So right off the bat, I'm already dreading and hating this conversation. Now I have to break the news to this person that you didn't find the best mattress. You just found the mattress that pays these sites the most money. And that sucks (laughs) even worse. And so I have to ruin their night. They've already ruined my night. Now I have to ruin their night. It's just (laughs)
1: terrible. So and everybody just goes, everybody just goes home. Everyone just goes home over. all
0: pissed and annoyed. It was a terrible party. So anyways, yeah. the, as Jeff pointed out, it's the disingenuous nature that this is not in any way clear that the consumers are presented saying this is the best, these are the best mattresses. We're unbiased, we've tested them. We've come to this conclusion, trust us. That's what they're being presented with.
1: But also it's interesting and unfortunate. I mean, one of the reasons why online brands took off was because of the stereotype of, the negative stereotype of the in-store mattress experience. So the sleazy salesman bias where people, because a mattress is hard to know exactly what it is. Nobody, like you said uh, earlier, nobody knows about mattresses because they don't spend any, they spend once every 10 years purchasing it. So it's a big unknown and they know the person in the store is a salesperson Who's selling them something? Yeah, and so that that led to this big bias. That led to people not trusting the mattress retail experience and looking for another option. And that was the online option. And now what's happening is the same exact thing that led the consumers to want another option. Yeah, it's just they have they have no idea. It's super ironic that that
0: this channel that in 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 some ways. Grew out of the 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 dynamic you just described where people were distrusting this What they considered to be like a sleazy sales type of environment. Well, it's super ironic that the sleaziest Thing happening right Mm -hmm. now in this industry for sure in my opinion is These review sites and by the way, it's way sleazier than anything that was happening previously it's far sleazier because I mean, f- say what you will about the, the the stereotype of the sleazy mattress salesman. Well, at least everyone knew that that person was a salesman. Right. He didn't try to hide that fact. This is completely worse than that, no question about it. Uh, and I, I want to just come back to this point about the why pay to play also it, it enhances the threat. Well, because if you're if you're op if if they're optimized for that, you know pay, where the highest paying is shown at the top of the list. There's always this opportunity where someone else can pay more, right? Well, that just is a never ending war of attrition effectively, Like, There's no brand building left at the end of that. There's just who is, it, it, it kind of goes back to the whole like low cost who can strip the most cost out right. of the rest of their value chain. In order, in other words, who can disguise their product for, like put, put less into the product to make it worse, but still look okay. in order to strip as much cost out of the rest of the value chain so that they can leave as much, uh, in the value chain for paying these guys. That's where that leaves us. It leaves, it's a terrible, terrible destination for the industry. And the more powerful these guys get, the more likely a destination that becomes. So this is a huge, huge threat to the industry. And by the way, the uh, the other thing we should talk about is is how this threat has changed in the past year or so. Like the just how the threat has grown from these guys. I mean, they're exploding in numbers. There's now uh, over 140 of these different websites. Can you believe that? 140 mattress review websites. That's just insane.
1: I mean, I just you're you're putting you're putting in that bucket um, Jeff's mattress review site if I had one. You're, you're counting all those. I'm in counting anyone
0: and everyone that has a website, a domain that is specifically focused on mattresses, that uh, yeah, providing reviews. That's that's what I'm counting. It's crazy. So that the the category overall, 140 dedicated sites focused on mattress reviews at least. That's just the ones we've tracked and have on our list. Um, So that's exploding. And it's just uh, insane. The revenue that these sites are are collecting, obviously, is exploding. Um, Also, we should add that these guys are becoming more and more well-funded. We've got actually outside capital coming into the category, which is something new given especially the the magnitude of outside capital coming in um and it's coming in from professional investors um some of the some of the firms that used to be kind of like in the same space that i used to work in uh, in fact have come into this um there's there's consolidation being funded here being uh, portfolios of these sites and and that in itself is a, a frightening thought these guys are trying to say hey it's not enough for us to have the, have like the number one spot or the number three spot in the Google search. We want to have numbers one, two, three, four, and five. And the only way we're going to do that is to have five different domains that have effectively the same content. I mean, it's content with the exact same objective with just different domains that the consumer's not going to know. And Google's not going to know are a, are the same company just spinning the content you know, a slightly different way in order to dominate that search page. And that's their objective. That's the only objective that one can have in having multiple sites designed to cover the same exact category. I mean, there's, there's literally no other objective you could have. And so they're doing that and that's going to give them even more power to the extent that they are able to succeed
1: with that strategy. So um, that 's another area. right, so think about that. They consolidate a portfolio of these. imagine that they have ten and the and they become better and better at SEO and all the tricky tactics that you talked about. Well now the consumer who's everybody's starting their uh, mattress buying research online, they go to Google they have no idea that they hit best mattress and every one of the ten uh, things that appear are actually one company mm mm-hmm. So it's the, in the physical world, it's like what these guys are doing are basically taking up every single storefront uh, at that high traffic spot and pushing your store to where the industrial uh, part of town is where there's no businesses. So they're taking up and and the consumer is thinking, oh, these are all different stores. I can check all these different stores and get objective information. They don't really, they don't have any idea that it's all. One company. Yeah. Well,
0: and, and as an interesting aside, if you if you're familiar with the media space as as I am, uh, there's a long history in, in our country of actually regulating media to make sure that there's adequate uh, number diversity of voices in a, in a market. So that that has applied to radio, television, radio ownership, television ownership, newspaper ownership. It's not been allowed for radio companies like clear channel to own more than a certain percentage of the listenership in any given market because they wanted to make sure that there wasn't too much concentration of voice. Like if, if, if one radio company, uh, bought up every radio station and they just wanted to tell people that like, this is the truth. Well, (laughs) they'd be able to tell people that. And in the days of radio and the radio era, That would have been the only information people were getting, right? Like they, so they specifically came up with rules to say, no, 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 you can't do that. We're going to make sure we have diversity of voice. Well, Google is essentially the front page of Google is essentially the modern day radio dial. And we're essentially living in a radio era again, except for now it's Google that is the single and sole source of information, at least as it relates to this category, because it is where every consumer starts and so that is something that in the past the government has actually consciously regulated and here now it is completely unregulated and we're seeing the negative effects of that
1: yeah another thing that um that surprised me a little it it doesn't when you think about the maximizing your returns as a business entity is that this issue that we're talking about it's not just the mattress category it's lots of categories so that professional investment private equity investment and portfolio building is happening across verticals across industries so the same company is doing replicating that same portfolio concept in lots of different areas true so it's worth adding though that i've asked every person (laughs) almost every person
0: i meet who's worked in another category and comes into this category and is familiar with the kind of marketing dynamic in this category today i asked them the question how does this compare to other categories you've seen and to a person i have never heard anyone telling me that they've come from or ever worked in an industry that is as bad as this category in this particular regard Mm where this is the bleeding edge of spammy review sites is happening in the mattress (laughs) industry. Congratulations, everybody listening. <laughs> Anyways, the point is that this is yeah. this is we, we, are, we are experiencing quite possibly worse than any other industry is experiencing in this particular regard. Um, the other thing and along those lines, like part of what people are answering when they talk about that is they're talking about the level of deceptiveness that's happening in this category. It's not just that there are review sites, it's the level of deceptiveness of the practices of those sites. And and um, we talked about the black hat stuff, you know, the violent, breaking the rules and cutting the corners and all that. We talked about uh, even things like misrepresenting themselves as nonprofits or charities and things like that to try to trick you into or, or the med washing and, and things like that. But another thing, by the way, is the corporate ties, the ties that are where, where these review sites in many cases have ties to. Uh, mattress um, brands, typically online mattress brands that are not disclosed, or at least not prominently disclosed as the way they, they, they in my opinion, absolutely should be. Um, so, uh, and in some cases aren't disclosed at all. And, and that's a whole nother level. I mean, that's almost mind-blowing because anyone looking at that can see how that's not right. But Nonetheless, uh, that that is where we are, and so for all of those reasons, um, it is incumbent on us. We feel to help the industry see that this is a massive threat, um, and and it is truly an existential one, to to all involved. And and and, and like so many of the other uh, things that we identify, we see you know we always see things from the standpoint of both the industry and the consumer. And here again is a case where both Sides are injured by this, very much injured. So, um, you know, we, in terms of, by the way, what can be done about this, you know, certainly uh, we'll talk more about this, I imagine, in the future, because it's just such a big issue that faces the industry. And, and, um, but we do think that ultimately educating consumers about these practices, what's what's happening with these sites, is is super important. So, um, we're we would encourage retailers to get the help get the word out to consumers about what's happening, and uh, not only through um, training your salespeople, but also putting information on your website to this effect to help them people understand this. Uh, because for that matter, if you don't Put it on the web. People may ever, never meet your salespeople. Um, so, and then even beyond that, PR efforts to help tell this story through the press, I think, is is going to be is going to be needed.
1: So, um, it's also unfortunate that some of the things that you said, like um, acquiring nonprofits in order to acquire the link juice and domain authority, that anybody with internet access can pretty quickly find that out. If you just do a little digging. Um, So Google obviously can figure that out. If any one of us can figure it out. So why haven't they done something? Or
0: how there's not a Google search engineer who has figured this out and just wiped these sites off the face of the internet at this point with some kind of, I mean, if not algorithmically then through some sort of manual penalty, how that has not happened is beyond me. How the FTC has been completely asleep at the wheel on this is completely beyond me. It's long since past time for these key gatekeepers to do their jobs and to step in here, um, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it's not, and it's, it's not about hardcore, regulation is more to your earlier point. It's just about it's got it's gone too far. And the consumer is really being hurt by it. Like really, really being. Hurt yeah, well, as it. far as regulation
0: so, goes, I mean, I, I'm the, look, I'm the last person who wants to invite more rules in and and more red tape. But again, this is like game of street ball where, you know, some people are just, you know, punching people in the face. I mean, it's just it's, it's flagrant violation of the of the rules. I mean, to not disclose some of these things that are not being disclosed, for example, is crazy. I mean, I know what the tests are that the FTC says for disclosure, you know, about what types of things you need to disclose and how prominently they need to be disclosed. And in my judgment, there's just no way you could look at these sites and say that that standard is being met. So, at some point, where is the repercussion of that? Where's the consequence? You know, who's going to hold them accountable
1: to that? So, mm-hmm. and the other piece about what can be done is improve the things that we do that are not shady, in order for other for the traditional industry, traditional retailers, to have a better chance at taking some of those uh slots on the first page of google well and that and that's exactly a great point
0: that we should add here is that we you know this deciding to speak up about this has caused us to of course reflect on what could we do to help retailers compete in this environment what can we do that doesn't involve sinking to their level that allows us to continue to uh, maintain integrity here in all of this and, um, and allows retailers to maintain their integrity in all of this. And, and one of the things that we are, are gonna be doing is helping retailers uh, get reviews from consumers, right? That's the original third-party validation because fundamentally what these review sites, the, the, the gap they're filling in the market is that consumers want third-party validation right? Like that's clear from, they search for reviews, they search for ratings, best mattress, comparisons, whatever it is they're searching for, it's all about third-party validations, hugely valuable in this category. So that's that's what gives these guys the opportunity to do the deception that they do. But the original form of third-party validation, as, as we've talked about, is consumer reviews. So if we can help those retailers get reviews onto their sites, collect reviews, from their customers that's a way that that retailers can compete successfully and with integrity and provide consumers with information that really is helpful to them that also helps their sites to your point stand out more in google results and and win on that battlefield too so there's a lot of problems we can help solve for retailers with that Um, so we are taking our platform and making it available to retailers and we're building tools to allow it to be even more useful in those in those ways and so that's something super exciting that um we we can't wait to share with with more of you and then for that matter too we've we should also mention that we're creating even more ways for retailers to to stand out uh, for people who are on good bed you know we're creating ways for people uh, for, for retailers who, for consumers who are shopping on good bed uh, we're creating more ways for retailers to get discovered in the context of the shopping that they're doing on, on our site. So that's again something that we we look forward to to talking with more of you about. If you're not already connected with us and aware of those things, then definitely reach out and we and we will bring you in the loop. Uh, we'll be rolling out some new things in the
1: first part of this year. And to the to the existential threat. Piece of this. Um, our whole business is based upon integrity, honesty, and trustworthiness. And our personal values, that's what our personal values are. So we, we will never do those shady things. So therefore, we can't compete on mm-hmm. those shady things. So we are completely in the same boat. Like we, with traditional retail, if it puts... Traditional retail out of business. It's also putting good, bad out no of business. No doubt about it. No, so we're,
0: we're all in. We're, our chips are in the middle of the table. There's no question. Yeah. We've we've uh, we've said, hey, this is we're gonna we're gonna basically get the industries back, and and uh, hope that they get ours, and hope that together we pull through this uh, successfully. But yeah, if the industry goes down in flames, so will we, for sure. So we yeah. couldn't be more aligned. Yep. So there we go. I think that's another episode uh, of Mike It Up in the can here.
1: Although we still need to continue the uh, Mag's invention of podcasting. And I think we were at Adam Okay, Curry. yeah, that's right. So in our last episode,
0: we were at the point in the story where I had anticipated podcasting would be something along the lines of podcasting would be coming. Kind of short form spoken word audio that could be consumed asynchronously in some sort of mobile device. That's what I was looking for. Uh, It eventually was invented, named podcasting. I got connected immediately with the people who were kind of at the forefront of that at that time, which was 2003, 2004. Um, By early 2005, I had signed a term sheet with the leader at the time in that space, really kind of one of the first companies to be created in this podcasting space. which was uh, co-founded by a guy named Adam Curry, an MTV VJ from the 1980s who had uh, refashioned himself a podcasting guru. And we had signed an an exclusive term sheet to fund his business uh, on behalf of the the private equity firm uh, I was working for at the time. And and that was no small feat. Again, I I talked about this last time, but to, to convince my partners who were kind of, more of the of the old school they come come from you know cable and 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 radio and more traditional media backgrounds so to convince them that this this thing podcasting which 12 months earlier hadn't even been a word was going to be like the thing we should invest in was was no small feat and, and and yet they got on board with it they saw the opportunity so i was pleased as a young guy uh, i i was i was pleased with that and I, I went at, at that point in time. It coincided with spring break. My family and I went on vacation, but I continued to listen to Adam Curry's podcast uh, while I'm on vacation because it was, you know, I'm, I'm, I was deeply invested in the space, and he was the leading podcaster in the space. And here we had this. I had just signed a term sheet with him to back his company that he was he was starting, and you know, so keeping posted on his on his. Uh, his podcast as well, and I'm listening to it a, a day or two into my vacation, and he and he, he's talking about how he's go, he's flying to San Francisco, and uh, he's gonna take some meetings in San Francisco, and then the next day, uh, uh, he's talking about how he's headed down to Sand Hill Road, and I'm and immediately, I mean, my ears had already perked up when he said he was flying to San Francisco, but when he said he's going to Sand Hill Road, where all the venture capital firms are in in the Bay Area. I thought, what the heck is he doing? We've got an exclusive term sheet that we've signed. There's no reason to be going to Sand Hill Road. The story continues, though. He continues this in his podcast, how he how he says, uh, yeah, so we walk in. Uh, our first meeting is with Kleiner Perkins, and uh, we had a great meeting with them. And then we had a meeting with Sequoia and, uh, that's another really famous venture capital firm. Arguably, the two most famous venture capital firms at that time, uh, and uh, those went great. and And I'm livid at this point, but I'm also sitting at a pool in Mexico, not exactly well equipped this time to <laughs> do something about this. And uh, you know, so I'm I'm emailing, I'm calling, I'm trying to get people from my firm to figure out what's going on while I'm on vacation. Well. You know, long story short, um, I come back from vacation. No one's able, you know, they went radio silent on us. By the time I get back from my one week vacation, they've received a term sheet from Kleiner Perkins and Sequoia together to fund them with even more money at a better valuation. So, oh, man. you know, at that point, I, uh, I mean, I could have, we had, we had legal recourse. Well, couldn't you have, yeah, couldn't you? Yeah. We had legal recourse, but at the same time, it was, it was, you know, it was only a term sheet. It wasn't, it wasn't a, you know, formal, that's a rather informal document in the, in the world of finance, you know, there's, there is some legal recourse to exclusivity in, in that regard, but it's not like the remuneration is super high. For violating that particular thing, so it was a question of is it worth pursuing that, uh, vis a vis the costs, not only legally but like you know, from the standpoint of whatever
1: business relationship you might have. So it was, did they give you the opportunity to participate in that deal not. together with the Perkins not. and so forth? No, we were completely shut that. out, and
0: you know, in the one, uh, Bummer. in the one respect, it was, um. It was hard for me to fault them in the sense that, again, these were the two most prestigious private uh, venture right. capital firms on the planet. And th- they were giving them better terms than we gave them. Um, but from a from an integrity standpoint, to, to go around, to have signed that with us and then to go ahead and do that so brazenly was just uh, obviously very
1: scuzzy thing to do and uh so i was i was pretty disappointed Uh, yeah i can imagine well you should feel good about the fact that um your instincts were right but don't give away any of the rest okay we'll see what happens longer term fair enough yeah next time
0: all right so on that note we will wrap up this episode of Mike it up we uh we thank you for listening as always And we remind you, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe. Uh, You can subscribe through whatever podcast platform you prefer as well. Leave us a review. We'd love it. Uh, If you could share your feedback as well, it it also helps uh, other people find this podcast. So, uh, Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. We're out.